think I've mentioned before, in uh, <clears throat> college, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Honduras uh, with Focus. And this trip was designed where we would, um, we went to kind of like a home base of missionaries for about, uh, I don't know, three or four days to like be formed in what mission was all about. And then after that, we went into these uh, deserted villages, or not deserted, but um, villages that were very, you know, uh, secluded and isolated. And then we would just, uh, once we were in the villages, we kind of, you know, visited with the people and catechized them and evangelized and spent some time with them, prayed with them, etc. Well, I just remember uh, knowing that it was going to be challenging and, and difficult, um, and, and we were warned ahead of time that the conditions were not going to be great. So you get there, and uh, at the home base of the missionaries, and this was, you know, kind of more in the city, um, there was no hot water. Which is, you know, I knew that ahead of time, but it's amazing how after like a day or two, like it just gets kind of old. Like, you, like taking a shower whenever there's no hot water is just not fun, even whenever it's hot outside. And it starts to get kind of old, and then, you know, we finally go into the villages, and there's no running water at all, much less no plumbing. And um, it's, it was amazing to see how these people, I mean, their entire lives, they Many of the people in the villages had never, ever left their village, and they don't even know what plumbing is like. Um, there was no internet, no, <clears throat> no plumbing, no running water, no grocery store, etc. And so as you spend like, more and more time in that environment, you start to really miss America. Like you just crave a hamburger from McDonald's, even though I hate McDonald's. Like you just, you, you crave like just... The, the feeling of hot water on your skin in a shower would be so wonderful. Like, just to use the bathroom in a normal American bathroom would be so amazing after, you know, after spending over a week in this environment. And it's amazing how whenever we um, feel a lack of something that we're used to, suddenly we start to desire it more. In other words, like, it's easy to take things for granted whenever we get used to them. But then we become a lot more appreciative of things whenever we realize a felt need. We become a lot more grateful whenever we don't have something that we got used to. And as true as that is, you know, it, we take a lot of things for granted, like internet and running water and electricity and uh, vehicles and cell phones and all these things that we take for granted. But we can do the same exact thing with God's mercy. Here we are, 2,000 years after Jesus came onto the scene, lived among us, suffered, died, rose, ascended into heaven. 2,000 years later, it's like, it's like old news. Been there, done that. Like, yeah, well, yeah, God loves us and God's merciful. So then we just continue with our lives and kind of don't even give it a whole lot of thought sometimes. And today in, in the readings, John the Baptist appears on the scene and he is, is kind of portrayed as like this harsh figure. And you know, we Americans in the 21st century, we don't really like things that are harsh. We, we're all about kindness. And so like, like anybody that's really intense, it's just kind of, kind of repulsive. So John the Baptist is not typically at the, at the top of the list of people's favorite saints. 
Because we read passages like today where he just comes onto the scene and he's like, he's really intense, like he's wearing clothing with camel's hair, he's only eating locusts, that's disgusting, wild honey, that might be okay, but nothing else. And, and then he's like shouting at people and he says, repent. And he says, you brood of vipers. I mean, imagine if I were to say that here and, and call you brood of vipers and start telling you how terrible you are, there'd probably be about like, like. 5% of you that would be excited because I'm intense, and the rest of you would be like, I'm, I'm looking for another priest. <laughs> and yet, John the Baptist was so popular. We know this from first century sources, even non-Christian sources. The, the Jewish historian Josephus spends a lot of time on John the Baptist, even more time than he does on Jesus. We just, it seems that John the Baptist was incredibly popular. He was intriguing. He was a mis- like a mysterious figure because in, in a lot of ways he, he looked like the Old Testament prophets. And it had been quite a hundred years, quite some time since the, the Jews had experienced like an obvious prophet. And yet he's this bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament right before Jesus starts to get a lot of publicity. And his main message is repent. Because he knows that Jesus certainly is, you know, going to give some difficult teachings as well. But Jesus' primary message is one of mercy. And, and, and to prepare us for that, John the Baptist brings our sinfulness face to face right in front of us. So that when Jesus proclaims a message of mercy, it means something. If you were to come and give me a Christmas present and say, for Christmas this year, you get to take warm showers, I would just be like, okay, because I already have that. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. But after that week in Honduras, if you were to tell me, special gift, you get to take a warm shower today. I would have thought, wow, how amazing. And to an, a, a much larger degree, a much more important scale, mercy doesn't mean anything unless we recognize our sinfulness. The gospel is not good news unless we personally realize the gravity and the destruction of sin. And we don't have to go searching in a whole lot of places in order to find sin. We can see it all around us. But oftentimes we're extremely blind to the sin in our own heart, to the sinful choices that we make. It's easy to see the sin in the world, but then but then we, you know, because we're non-confrontational, we don't like to to focus on the negative, we want to focus on the positive, and all of these reasons, like we don't want to acknowledge and admit sin in our own life. We'd rather convince ourselves that it's really not there. We'd rather convince ourselves that it's okay, like, we're, like God loves us and he has mercy, and boom, we just continue on like nothing ever happened. And it's true, God's mercy is amazing, and we talk about that all year, but it, but it, it starts to become cheap. We start to take it for granted if we don't actually come face to face with honesty and humility of our own sinfulness. And that's John the Baptist's message for us today. 
So I want to uh, challenge us today uh, with this question. Is the gospel good news for you? When you think about the gospel, you know, random thought pops into your head, you think about Jesus, are you just like so overwhelmed with joy? Like when we read any passage from Scripture, are you just like overcome with this emotion of, wow, like God is so good. I'm so grateful. Are you overcome with the goodness of the gospel message? If not, I wonder if we're taking it for granted. I wonder if we have allowed ourselves to become numb to the beauty and the goodness of the gospel. I wonder if we've just gotten used to it. And God forbid, I wonder if we have started to just kind of presume upon God's mercy, kind of getting blind to how we really don't deserve it, but yet God is so good and has given us such a great gift. We don't want to presume In fact, St. John the Baptist says that right here in today's passage. Do not presume to call God, or to to, to put all, I forget how he says it, let me see, hold on. Do not presume, I'm going to find it, because it's so good, it's from Scripture, we want to read it exactly how it is. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. They were thinking, oh yeah, like, We're Jews, we're descendants of Abraham, therefore God is going to be good to us. And so, yeah, like we're going to live the Jewish lifestyle, but but basically they're banking simply on their heritage. And we can do the same as Christians. Yes, it's true, baptism is the first step to your salvation. And so that's why we say, like, you're saved by your baptism, but, but we can lose that. Don't presume that just because you're called Christian, just because you are baptized, that you automatically get this free golden ticket to heaven. John the Baptist says, repent. God wants to save us. It's his primary purpose and his number one desire, but he will not do it against our free will. He wants us to participate in his gift of salvation. Do not presume, he says. We don't want to presume. And Advent is a wonderful time for us to kind of recalibrate. A wonderful time for us to humbly admit, yes, we're sinful. And to approach the throne of mercy. A wonderful time to go to confession. And as we receive the mercy of the Lord, suddenly, as we have been honest with our sinfulness, his mercy means something. And we're overcome by the glory of the gospel message. We are overcome with gratitude and joy. Suddenly, the Christmas message means so much more. Imagine a life without mercy. Imagine how your life would be if there was no such thing as forgiveness of sins. If the whole idea of God and his message of mercy did, like, was just not even a thing at all. Imagine what would your life be? It's a frightening thought. Like, I would be so evil. I just know what I'm capable of. I would be the worst person in this room. 
Praise be Jesus Christ that we have something to save us from ourselves. Praise be Jesus Christ that the gospel is good news. It means something. But it only means something if we have the courage to admit that we are sinful. Be not afraid to bring your sins to Jesus this Advent. Amen.